0: This time, if you're a second through fifth grader, you can be uh, dismissed. We have an age relevant uh, Bible study for you, uh, so you can be dismissed at this time. Uh, but for those of you who do not know me, my name is John wethington I'm a church planting resident here. I think by now most of you know that. But Russell is not here this morning. He is actually doing his first half Ironman, and we actually have a picture of Russell this morning. We're getting a live feed and <laughs> from like the race, and so uh, this is really Russell. Like he's really kind of really gotten, like, you know, kind of toned up. And so this is him right now. Uh, As we're talking right now, he is 40 miles into his bike race. So basically, a half-hour man, I think you swim for a mile and a half, and then you bike for 62 miles. Is that correct? Something like that. But he's 40 miles into it right now. So he is actually doing this right now. And so um, please keep him in your prayers. And then after he finishes the bike, how far does he have to run? 13.1 miles. So he is... You know, we're working out, but he's really working out this morning, so, um, so we're continuing our series this morning called Retrace, Another Look at Life with Jesus Christ, and as we've seen kind of in the past few weeks, Jesus has become this popular figure. Typically, when you begin healing people from the dead and doing things like that, you're going to get pretty popular, and so he's, he's this really popular figure, but this morning, what we're going to see is things are about to change a lot for Jesus and his popularity, What's going to happen is he's, he's going to start challenging people to actually follow in their actions the things that he's going to say. And so this is going to make his popularity wane. And so if you have a, a Bible this morning, open up to Luke 10. If you do not have a Bible, just slip up your hand. It's no problem. We have people here ready to give you a Bible. I forget my Bible half the time, confession time. I got to start getting better with that. So if you've forgotten your Bible, you don't have one, just slip up your hand and they'll bring one to you. Uh, This is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through um, 37. We're going to be reading the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a parable. What a parable is, is when Jesus wanted to explain a point, he would do it in story form, and this was a parable. And So we're going to see in verses 25 through 30, he's going to set up the parable, and then 31 through 37, he's going to tell us this this morning, that in the Christian life, you can't walk past Compassion. In the Christian life, you can't walk past compassion. Would you stand with me this morning as we read God's word together? This is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to him to the test, saying, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said this to him. Jesus said this. You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an end and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. So a quick overview, okay? A lawyer comes up to Jesus and he says, how do you inherit internal life? Jesus says, okay, well, what does it say in the law? The lawyer says, you have to love God and your neighbor as yourself, okay? So Jesus says, okay, you, you, you got it. But then the lawyer, trying to justify himself, tries to find a loophole. Okay, this is a lawyer trying to find a loophole. It's, it's a big surprise. So he's trying to find a loophole, and he says, okay, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells him this parable about loving his neighbor. The lawyer recognizes this, and Jesus tells him to now go and live this way. In the Christian life, you can't walk past compassion. And when we read this parable, a lot of you have heard this before. We, I think a lot of times we, we see this, and we think, oh, we have to have compassion. But the first thing I want to talk about this morning, I want to go maybe a little bit of a different Route with this parable. I think oftentimes, is the first thing, our lack of understanding is really a lack of surrender. Oftentimes, our lack of understanding is really a lack of surrender. It says here that this man is a lawyer. But he's not necessarily a lawyer in the way we typically think of a civil lawyer who handles government cases and these types of things. He's a lawyer in in Judaism. So basically, he is an expert. He is a mastermind in the Jewish law. So when people have disagreements or disputes, they come to him, and basically, he tells them, based upon the law of God, how they should handle things. And so it's interesting that a guy who is an expert in the law is coming to Jesus with a question about the law. You see, people used to go to this guy for questions about the law, but now they're going to Jesus. And I think he's probably kind of jealous and he probably wants to trip people up because if he can prove that Jesus is not legitimate, he can keep his own pride. He can keep his own expertise and keep everybody coming to him. And So this guy knows that who, who he should love. He, he knows he should have compassion, but he is simply looking for a loophole. And this morning, I think we often make Really simple commands, complicated, because we're trying to find loopholes. Jesus says to pray daily, he tells us to pray. Instead of just praying, instead of getting on our knees and coming before God, we begin asking, Well, well, what do we pray, and well, how long do I pray? We begin asking these questions. We're told to read our Bible. and We say, well, well, what do I read, and how long do I read? Instead of just kind of getting into God's Word, Jesus says to, to love our neighbor. Instead of loving our neighbor, we just kind of ask, well, well, who is my neighbor? But this morning, I believe that the answers to the specifics are found in doing, not so much thinking. How much do I pray? My answer to that, just pray just do it. How much do I read? My response to that is, 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 well, just just read. And for the longest time, I have to be honest, I was a believer in Jesus, but I didn't really dive into God's Word consistently. And I can't tell you how much depth in my walk I lost when I didn't open this Word. Sometimes you just got to find somebody you trust, say, hey, what's a good book that I should read? What's an option? What's a suggestion? And whatever they say, just read it. And then we say, well, who is my neighbor? Who should I have compassion on? And I think what we need to do is to show compassion on someone who needs it. See, Jesus is not trying to get deep with this guy. He's just trying to get him to act on something. And think about this. You cannot reach a destination until you get on the road. The specifics that we have, like who is my neighbor, tend to be answered along the way. You won't learn to pray until you pray. And so, it's funny, after this whole exchange, this whole story, this whole parable, this guy's realization is, oh, I just got to have compassion on people. And this morning, it can really be that simple. It really can. If you are kind of examining the Christian faith, and maybe you're not a believer this morning, one of the cool things about our faith is it's really kind of simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it's simple. We're told to love God. We're told to love each other. We're told to to serve in the church, to believe in Jesus, and and this is the crux of the Christian life. But I think what we do is I think we spend like 98% of our time thinking about the 2% of things that we don't know. We spend so much time with these deep questions, with these things that, that are so intricate, when we can really just help out someone who's in need, help out a family member. We can see a need, and we can meet it. But in verse 29, let's look there together this morning, it says this, But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? The lawyer's real motives right here are brought to light. It says, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus. This man is not confused. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't have a lack of understanding. He is trying to justify himself. He disagrees with Jesus, and he is trying to prove in this text, he's trying to trip Jesus up and, and show that his way is superior. He's trying to show that well, not really having compassion is better than having compassion because compassion is confusing, and we don't know who to have compassion on. So this man, a lack of surrender is this problem, not a lack of understanding. You see, people in this, in this text, they're drawn to Jesus because he shows grace and he's actional. He's doing things. He's, he's teaching things. But this lawyer, he's very systematic, and he's, he's legalistic, and he's, you know, he, he probably thinks more than he does. He talks more than he acts. But Jesus, he's not getting deep. He's not going around. I mean, I'm sure there's some deep things to his message, but he's really just kind of going around, telling people things, and displaying these simple commands for him. And my question this morning is, what in your life have you been desiring to justify? Is it the things that we do at work or or don't do at work? Is it the things that we watch on TV or or the internet? Is it the way that we spend our money? What are we trying to justify? But here's what happens. Here's how Jesus responds to this man trying to justify himself. Jesus cuts through our distractions and always gets to the heart of the matter. You know what's really interesting about this parable is that when I first read it and I was preparing this message, I thought it didn't make sense. Because the lawyer asked Jesus, he says, okay, who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes into this story about helping a guy, which really doesn't answer the specific question of, well, who is my neighbor? Who should I have compassion on? But you know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is cutting through this man's distractions and the smoke in the mirrors, and he is getting right to the real question of this man. You see, if this guy had been honest, if this lawyer had just come to Jesus and said, It's just hard to be compassionate on people. It's just hard, and I don't want to do it, and I don't know who to have compassion on. Like, what do I do? If he had been legitimate, he could have gotten his question answered, but he tried to, instead of just trying to wrestle with this with this Christian idea of being compassionate on people, he just kind of gave up and tried to justify himself. And a lot of times we do this. There's a command in the Bible, and we feel like it's too radical, it's too impossible, so we just give up and we start trying to justify it, and that's what's going on here. But Jesus is never subject to this. He always cuts through our distractions and gets to the heart of the question. It's like the woman of the well that we talked about a few weeks ago. She comes looking for water in this well, and Jesus says, I'm gonna give you living water. He offers her what she's not even looking for because you know why? It's what she really needs. And this morning, when we're talking about being compassionate on people, keep this in mind, that if someone needs food and you give them food, they're gonna need more food. If, if someone needs shelter, they're going to need continual shelter. These temporal needs are important, and we should meet them. But the living water, the gospel, that is really the way that we are compassionate with people when we share our faith, because that is, the, that is what quenches all needs and all thirsts. We, don't, we, we need three meals every day. You can meet a need, but if we share the gospel with somebody, they're set. And the last thing is oftentimes we don't get the answer that we want because we're not really asking the question that we have. We gotta be genuine when we come to Jesus. If something's hard, it's not wrong to tell Jesus, this is really hard, or I'm having some doubts. I think sometimes we're trying to like, put on a show for, for God, which doesn't make much sense, because you know, he's God, he knows everything, he knows your heart before you even come to him. We have to be legitimate with Jesus. Let's Look at verse 33. It says this. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, Came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So the first thing is that oftentimes our lack of understanding is really a lack of surrender. And the second thing this morning is this: compassion is a distinctive trait of the Christian life. There is a lot of irony in the fact that a Samaritan is the hero and the good guy in this story. Samaritans were basically uh, half Assyrians, which were barbarians and half half Jewish. They had broken away from Judaism. They had started their own temples, their own religious things. They were basically viewed as counterfeit Jews who thought they were superior to them. So these people, the Samaritans, typically religiously thought they were superior to Jesus and these other Jews of the day. But here's the thing, is that we cannot get past the fact that God knows everything. Even though this is a Samaritan, somebody who's looked down upon, God knows his heart. It says in 1st Samuel 16:7 that for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus knows the heart of the priest, the levite and the Samaritan. And he says that the Samaritan is the one that has compassion. We look at outside religious things, but God looks at the heart. There was a recent story um, online that I saw, I found very intriguing on CNN. And it's basically this, uh, this picture that came out. And if, if I think we have the picture right here. This is President Obama hugging a lady in the recent hurricane and basically showing compassion on her. But this picture was put up. And there was a blogger that wrote about it. And what he said is, this is one of the most polarizing pictures in the history of our country. And this is why. Because there are two different types of people, and they see completely different things in this picture. For the Democrats, Obama is a Democrat, for, for the Liberal Party, basically they look at this and they say, this is why he needs to be our president. He's so compassionate and he's so loving and he's, he's put politics and campaigning on the side so that he can love people and, and he can meet a need. And they look at this and they use this as verification of why on Tuesday you need to elect Barack Obama. But then you have the other side of this, people who say, you know what? This is him being deceitful. He's trying to act like he's compassionate, but he's really not compassionate. They're saying, oh, you say he's suspending politics to do this? This is the best thing he could do for his campaign is to show compassion. And of course, he would stop for a photo op in the midst of holding a woman and showing compassion. And so you've got two different types of people that look at this completely different ways. I'm sure most people in this room, you probably know which way you lean on this issue. But I'll tell you this, God knows this man's heart. God knows if he is using this for selfish gain, but God also knows if he's genuinely doing this from the depths of his heart. God really knows. And in this story, we see three different types of people, and Jesus, who is the, the human version of God, he knows the Samaritan's heart, and he calls him the hero of this story. And this morning, we do not get to pray about whether or not we want to be compassionate towards others, because it is a distinctive trait of the Christian life. And I think sometimes it can seem really hard to be compassionate, but I just want to encourage you this morning that you learn as you go, and you have to start small. You know, if the first thing you do is try to open your home as a place for orphans— kind of going from not doing much to that, it can be kind of hard. I think it starts with simple acts of compassion, of just doing it. And so compassion, what is it? It's caring for others and acting upon it. There's two parts of compassion. There's sympathy and there's action. We must act. There are a lot of different worldviews in America today. And I think that it's important with whatever worldview you come from, to realize what the implications of that worldview is. And so when we say that compassion is a distinctive trait of the Christian life, I kind of began doing some research on a few different worldviews and kind of looking at how the idea of compassion, something that we generally like and view as a virtue, and how it fits into other worldviews if the main way that you look in this world, at this world is through evolution, basically the whole point of the human race is we're trying to adapt and become a stronger race, and we're trying to rid ourselves of weakness. In, in evolution, as we're trying to evolve, as we're trying to become stronger and adapt to our environment, the weak kind of hold us back, if you're going to be honest. That's one of the main implications that's kind of been rooted out of, out of evolution as, as time has progressed. But if you look at some of the earliest writings, the, the race is trying to evolve, so kind of having compassion on somebody, it's It doesn't fit in very well. And then, okay, well, what about like atheism? So there's no God, there's no set standard. So there's really, to be honest, there's no obligation to be compassionate to anybody. A lot of my friends are agnostics. They don't believe that we can know whether or not there is a God. And so in terms of compassion... I guess since we can't know there's a God, we can't really know if we should be compassionate or not. I mean, who's to say? Don't tell me what's right. I'm not gonna tell you what's right. You know, if you wanna be compassionate, that's fine, but you know, that's your own personal decision. But in the Christian life, there is no option. We are to love our neighbor as yourself and to help those in need. It's just rooted in what we believe. And this morning, if you believe that compassion is a good virtuous trait, I believe, but you're not a believer, I believe that's God's workmanship on your life. I believe that's exactly what it is. This is, a, this is something that deep down I think we know is a very good thing, but a lot of the worldviews that we tend to accept, there's no place for compassion. But in the Christian life, compassion is a distinctive trait, and in the Christian life, we cannot walk past compassion because it's just part of who we are. I think it's really cool how Neartown has been very compassionate as a church. It's always better to do it together because we can do more. Is Trenton here this morning? I will think he's here this morning. Um, when I first came to Neartown, it was really cool because Neartown got on the news. Neartown's been around for about, I guess, a year and a half, and there was this story where there was a coffee shop on the east side, and um, for whatever reason, their power uh, went out. They had no power, and so basically, Trenton, who locally goes there, saw this need, contacted Neartown. Long story short, Neartown got them a generator so they could open up their business, and it got on the news. Trenton was interviewed on, on the news for being compassionate. He saw a need and he met it. We recently donated money to Freedom Place. They, they help uh, fight the, the sex traffic, trafficking um, problem here in Houston. That's a huge problem in our city. There are two guys in the area who um, deliver things downtown on their bikes for, uh, for firehouse subs, and their bikes were stolen so they couldn't do their job. At Neartown, we came together with the money that you guys have provided And we got them bikes to carry on. We have um, Compassion Kids. Neartown Church supports a lot of kids in Africa. We have tons of kids. My wife has a kid that we support. And we basically give money every single month to make sure they have water, they have food, they have shelter, and that they have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And church, this morning, this is why we tithe. I've I've grown up in the church and when I came to Neartown, I have to be honest, it was very shocking how much of Neartown's budget really goes towards doing these types of things. It's a lot more than most churches. But as a church, we've always got to be looking for new opportunities. It's cool if you can see a need personally and call one of us here on the staff and say, hey, look, I saw this thing. Can we meet this need? If you can't meet it yourself, we can do this together. Always looking for new ways to be compassionate. But here's the big question. Who should I be compassionate to? For the first time in the history of the world, over 50% of the population lives in urban areas. This has never happened before if you meet somebody, there is a greater chance that they live in a metropolitan, big urban mega city than in a rural town for the first time ever. There are more mega cities and there are more people living in these cities than ever. And so what does this mean? We see more brokenness than ever. The average person in your socioeconomic status will see more brokenness, more homeless people, more people in need than anybody that has been here before us. And it is so overwhelming. And I do not want you to get mixed up with this idea of who should I be compassionate to versus this lawyer trying to be tricky and say, well, who is my neighbor? This is a legitimate question. We can come to God and say, who should I be compassionate to? And it's a sobering reality when we realize we can't meet all the needs. My wife is a really big um, yogurt connoisseur. We're really big on frozen yogurt. We go there all the time. It's like the big thing that me and all my friends do. And uh, we had this um, certain instance that kind of made us think twice about the way we do things. Uh, we were sitting at Yogurt Land out on Westheimer with some friends, and uh, we're sitting there, and, you know, it's, we're having a great old time, and this man walks up to us, right? And he obviously is deaf. He can't hear. He can't talk. And Uh, He does the thing, and you've probably seen it before, where he walks around to all the different tables, and he puts a little card on your table. And so he puts a card on everyone's table and goes inside, and then after he's done that, he walks by and collects the cards and the money that people want to give him. So he puts a card on our table, and we look at it. He's collecting money for local deaf and blind children. Now, most of us don't carry cash. I struggle with being cynical towards these types of things. I have to admit that. Um, but none of us had cash. But my, my wife, who is one of the most compassionate people that I know, had five bucks on her. And so as he came back around, she decided that she wanted to give this man five bucks for the deaf and blind children. And when we gave it to him, he was just so um, touched, you could tell. He was so thankful because I don't think anybody else gave him money. So he took the money and he put it in his pocket and then he proceeded to walk into the yogurt store. And, um, you know, we're like, well, okay, he's probably just picking up some more of the cards he forgot or someone's giving him money in the yogurt store. So he walks in there and um, if you know anything about yogurt, they have like little sample cups on the side. It's kind of one of the cool things about yogurt. So he walks over, gets a sample cup. And so we're thinking, okay, he's probably just getting some free yogurt. You know, sample cups are free. And so he gets the cup and walks over to the yogurt machine and starts kind of like looking around at what, what kind of yogurt, you know, he wants in his sample cup. And, uh, you know, starts trying out some samples, and, and, and we're looking, and, you know, we're trying to be optimistic here about what's going on in the situation, but it's getting really hard at this point. And so, um, so he tries out some samples, and he got quite a few samples. But then he kind of starts walking towards the cup that you get that you put yogurt in when you buy yogurt with money, okay? So he walks over to the cup, and at this point, we're just thinking, this can't be happening. This is this is not like this is this is really 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 bad. But uh, at this point, it's actually become worth the five bucks for the show, so it was totally a good investment. But uh, it's a great story. So he walks over and he gets his cup, walks over to the yogurt machine, and he starts getting a lot of yogurt, and I mean like five dollars worth of yogurt, okay? And so he gets yogurt, he goes over, puts his toppings on, goes to the um, the cashier and hands her the five bucks that my wife gave him for the deaf and blind children and buys yogurt with it. And you would think that as he's walking out, it'd be a little awkward, because we're like right in front of the door. You'd think he'd kind of like run by us, or he'd, you know, be a jerk about it, and be like, yeah, that's, what, that's what's up, or whatever. Um, but he doesn't do that. It was just really weird. He actually, as he's walking out, he looks at us, and he's very like, he's, like he's basically saying, thank you so much for this yogurt. You know? <laughs> and that didn't help my cynicism towards a lot of these different types of people. And so some people, this is a really tough thing. And this morning, this is why we pray. Because these specifics on who we help and who we don't help come through prayer. The Bible gives us like general things but prayer is the specifics and so if you in this morning if you think that you should help every single homeless person that you come across that is your biblical obligation to do so and you have prayed about it that's what the lord's told you that i fully support that if you maybe lean towards me i'm not saying this way superior this is the way i lean and, and you feel that if you're going to give money you need to give it towards channels that you know will actually help people and will not be used to to do bad things or harm the person then, then that's your thing too So we have to pray about these issues. There are certain things that there's a little bit of gray area. There's not like a clear-cut, definite thing. And I've had several of these experiences. You probably have too. And so I lean that way. But if you lean the other way, that's fine. But here's the thing. We can't use our practicality to not meet any needs. If you don't believe someone is legitimate in their need, make sure you give that to someone who you know is in need. It is impossible to meet every need, but it's sinful not to meet any needs because compassion is is a distinctive trait of the Christian life. And in this Christian life, we cannot walk past compassion. And there's a lot of different ways we can be compassionate. People always want your money, but the reality is, is you can help someone through a tough time. You can be there for a family member. You can volunteer to help a need. But here's the main way that you can be compassionate. And we talked about it earlier. You can share the gospel with somebody. You can give them the thing that meets all of their needs. You can show compassion by enduring some of the awkwardness, by going out of your way to have this conversation with somebody and tell them, you know what? Jesus can answer all of your needs. You were made by God for God, and Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. Sharing the gospel is the best way that we can be compassionate. That's my water. The last thing this morning is this. And this is the most important thing we're going to talk about this morning. Our compassion for others begins at the cross where Jesus died. Have you ever thought about the fact that we cannot show compassion to God? Have you ever thought about that? Because showing compassion on somebody is helping them meet a need that they can't meet for themselves. And so showing compassion is when somebody is desperate and in need that, that you meet that need and help them. You go out of your way. There's a lot of really great stories. I would encourage you to check them out from this recent hurricane of babies that were, um, that were in really bad condition. And as this hurricane blew through, these premature babies, all the electricity goes out. They can't treat them. And there are stories after story of, a, of nurses carrying these babies to safety. Think about this. This is a baby. It can't fend for itself. If, if these people decide that they're not gonna show compassion on it, the child dies. And if you're a parent this morning, you know your kid can't take care of themselves. Even if they're 18, they still can't take care of themselves. Like, they, they need this. It's an act of compassion to love them. And the thought of these babies, like their whole life and their whole future is, is dependent upon this person that has shown compassion to them when they were weak and could not meet their need. But we cannot show compassion to God because He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. There is no need that God has that we can meet in ourselves. Anything that we can do for God, God has sovereignly made us to do that for Him. Like God has everything. I, I grew up in a And a really small church. And when, back in 2005, when Katrina hit, um, there was tons and tons, I mean, thousands upon thousands of people that had nowhere to go in New Orleans. And so they didn't know what to do with them. They just kind of started busting them all over to different places. And Houston was one of the main places they brought them. And they were basically busting them over and just dropping them off right outside the Astrodome and just asking people to come get them. And it's funny, you know, I know a lot of times the government doesn't want church involved, but when something like this happens, the first place, the government goes outside of itself, and your taxpayer money is a church. They always go to the church because nobody over the last 2,000 years has met more needs than the Christian church of Jesus has. No activist group, no union, nothing outside of the church has met more needs, and they always go to it. And so this small church that I was going to saw a need. They wanted to help them. They went and picked up about 60 of these people, and this is a small church. They shut down the gym, Brought him in there, didn't really know what was going to happen. It ended up being a shelter for six months. Food, water, the gospel, everything for six months. And it was a tough six months. There were drugs done in the church. There were inappropriate relations. There were fights. There were tons of things. It was was messy. And I'm going to be honest, the church didn't benefit from this at all. In fact, it, it hurt the church in a few different ways. But they saw a need, and they met it. And in the Christian life, you can't walk past compassion because Jesus didn't walk past you when we were in sin, when we were enslaved to this world and the things that it desires, Jesus didn't say, oh, well, you're a sinner. You don't deserve anything. He said, look, you don't deserve anything, but I'm gonna give you my life and I'm gonna live a perfect life that will be your perfect life, that will be your salvation. And though you can do nothing for me, we could do nothing for Jesus. He did everything for us. This is the ultimate example of compassion because compassion is helping someone who you know cannot help you In return, the good Samaritan here didn't wait until this guy was all better to say thank you. In fact, we see that the Samaritan actually left before the guy was even healed or back up to speed. This guy could do nothing for the Samaritan, but the Samaritan helped him. And the last thing this morning is that our compassion to others is meant to be a reflection of the cross where Jesus showed us the ultimate compassion. For Christians, compassion is not simply a virtue but it's a reflection of the cross where Jesus died. I want to challenge us as a church to be compassionate. In our NT group, we recently talked about this and how we can see practical needs and and meet them. And I want to challenge you this week, do something simple. You don't got to do something huge. if If you can, that's great. But just actively be seeing needs and meet the needs because in the Christian life, we cannot walk past compassion. Here we're going to have a Christmas offering here coming up in this next month and we're going to find a need and we're going to give towards it and we're going to try and meet that need as a church. But between then and now, I want to challenge you to be compassionate and to meet needs because in the Christian life, you can't walk past compassion. Would you pray with me this morning?